Welcome to the Intro Music Podcast, episode number eight. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Intro Music Podcast. My name is Scott, and uh, I started this podcast last year to kind of do something in my downtime when my band wasn't really active or when I wasn't recording artists or whatever the case was so that I could still talk about music because music is like a huge, huge passion of mine. It's always on my mind. And I want to um, just always be thinking about music and thinking about how I can improve things, how I can improve my mindset towards music, how I approach music and how, how other people can approach music. I know that when I started playing in a band uh, years ago, I didn't know anything and, and I'm not claiming to know everything now by any means you can always learn and I'm still a novice at best in terms of what's going on in the music industry and what all the ins and outs are but I've come a long way and there was a few uh, websites and that kind of thing that I found were very helpful to get me from one step to the next step and in some ways there weren't a lot of resources in other areas so there was a lot of stuff on home recording and a lot of things uh on just kind of how to be in a band and that kind of thing but there wasn't a lot of like the band business aspects or like struggles you'll find when you uh you know are in a band for a period of time things like draw things like selling tickets, things like working with promoters, what a talent buyer is, what a manager can do for your band, do you need a manager, all that stuff. And it took me a while to um, kind of learn what I've learned over the past five years. Pathless Traveled on June 18th entered our uh, fifth year of being a band. And at the local level, I think that's something really cool and something to be that I'm proud of in, in terms of something I built for myself. And I think it's important to be proud of the successes that you have um, or the things that you build for yourself because at the end of the day if you're doing music production or playing in a band for anyone other than yourself it's going to fail and it's going to bring you more pain than anything else so it's really important to look at what you can accomplish and build that and be proud of it so in, in that sense I'm very proud of what uh, I've been able to build with my really good friends and family in the path that's traveled over the past few years. And I just want to share what I've learned uh, in doing that uh, with as many people as possible. Like I said, there weren't a lot of resources when I was starting. There still aren't a huge amount, but there's some out there and I would love to be one of the resources if possible and help just build a better scene in Calgary and a better scene um, just a better music scene in general. Uh, music's kind of going through an interesting uh, patch at this time. And Jeremy says, nice mic. Thanks, dude. Um, I know I'm not really doing this at the best time either because I'm pretty sure everyone's at work and that kind of thing. But I just wanted to try something. I'm working night shifts at my job. And I figured if you wait for the perfect opportunity for something, you'll never, never actually have it work. So that's why I'm here. So today I wanted to talk a bit about um, contacting venues and getting larger shows because that's something that uh, I really wanted to know how to do from the get-go when Pathos Traveled started. And the short answer is that there's no overnight way that you can really get your band um, 
Hey, thanks, Barry. Appreciate it, dude. Um, there's no real way that you can go from being uh, a band that you know forms overnight to um, being a band that's going to get shows at the best venue in your city frequently always playing to a lot of people that kind of thing even successful bands they'll have you know a show where they're uh, playing to less people than they'd like to and there's just so many factors that go into show attendance and how many people are coming out to see live music so it's it's not really a reflection of just one thing but building your brand and creating value in what you do is the first step towards getting um, the, to the next level of your show. So every band is going to start usually, unless you're all coming from other bands and you already have these relationships and connections, um, you're going to start at a venue that probably doesn't have a whole lot of people. It's maybe not the nicest in terms of decoration, that kind of thing, but they're taking a chance on you as an artist and if you're a band at this level, at this point, it's important to not stop because it's really easy to play one, two, three, four, five shows to 10 people and get really frustrated, get really hurt because you're not seeing the result that you're hoping for. You, you want to be playing to as many people as possible like any musician does and you're just not seeing that return and so you quit. And I've seen that happen a lot in in the scene over the years uh being in a band that's been around for five years uh we've gone through a lot of venues and we've gone through a lot of bands that started before and after us and ended uh you know recently and go through waves and that kind of thing so the crucial thing is if you're a band at that stage don't stop keep playing music keep doing what you love and if you keep doing what you love because you love it people will gravitate towards what you're doing and embrace what you're doing and accept it and support it. The, uh, the regime kind of changes over time when people kind of realize that you're really trying to achieve something with music and it's not just kind of a fling or a hobby or that kind of thing. And there's nothing wrong with music being a hobby. If music is a hobby for you and that's all it'll ever be, that's perfect. That's amazing. Don't stop doing that either. Everyone gets different things out of being in music and you've got to know for yourself what you're doing uh, in the in the music scene. Like, are you doing it for the goal of being a touring band? Are you just hoping to play, uh, you know, a sold out show in your hometown twice a year? Are you wanting to tour and, you know, play Western Canada, the United States, that kind of thing? Um knowing that just stepping back that's really important knowing what you want to do with your with your band and having everyone in the band being on the same page is really crucial because if you have two members who really really want to drive and tour and play all the time and then you have uh you know another member who's just not available it can be really frustrating and i can say that uh from experience um our band has had a few different stages and incarnations and that kind of thing but there's been times where some of members are ready to go they want to tour they don't want to do everything our studio or record that kind of thing and other people are really busy and then that causes frustration and if you're in a band that has that kind of relationship i would say number one just make sure that you're friends first because 
your friendship with the people that you play music with is going to outlast the time that you can spend on stage with them. So you were friends most of the time, friends before you joined the band. And when your band inevitably comes to an end at some point, even if you're all in your 60s and you just, for health reasons or whatever the case is, bands don't last forever. But friendships and relationships do. And it's really important to carry that uh, that mindset. And that's something that we've had for a long time. And maybe we haven't uh, succeeded as much as some other bands in Calgary or in the world because we haven't put on as much content or played as many shows or toured. Um, we're still happy with what we've accomplished because we're all still good friends. Um, Dustin and Nick kind of switched recently. Dustin's no longer in the band. Nick is in the band. But even the switch like that, which in a lot of cases could cause a lot of friction, went extremely well. Everyone is still friends. Everyone still gets along. And that's really the most important thing, um, in my opinion, is, is that everyone's still having fun doing what you're doing. Um, so after the garage band where you're playing to 10 people, you will probably get some sort of following. Now, draw is a very interesting thing because it doesn't always reflect the quality of your music and it doesn't always necessarily reflect your genre. Um, there's a lot of factors that can go into this. So if your band has one guy who is super popular in high school and he's super popular where he works, your band could draw anywhere from 50 to 100 people who just want to go support their friend, which is really, really cool. And if you have a key member in your band that can do that, by all means, that's a strength that you have because a huge part of getting shows is your draw. And there's no real way to sugarcoat that. It frustrates a lot of people. A lot of people just want to be paid for what they're doing. And I think artist reimbursement is very important and something that shouldn't be overlooked. But in a saturated music scene or entertainment industry, like you can go to the movie theater, you can go uh, on Netflix, you can watch a UFC pay-per-view, you can uh, you know, go axe throwing in the, in the city of Calgary, you can go for you know, drinks at a, at a craft beer place. There's so many things that you can do to fill your time now that the entertainment industry is in a very unique place. So the draw factor is is hard enough so if you can crack this by having someone who has a lot of friends who are willing to pay to see your band play that's a strength that you should play um with your with your band and the the most common thing that a talent buyer or promoter is going to want to hear from you is how many people you can put in the seats uh, of the venue that they're playing. And this is kind of like the the business side of music where a lot of you know fans and patrons aren't really aware of how that works, but a band's draw, like, like anything in life really, this Conor McGregor and uh, Floyd Mayweather fight, for example, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense analytically because they're coming from two different streams of combat sports. Um, and then they're fighting in one guy's particular expertise, but it sells. It's making a huge, huge amount of money, and that's why the fight is happening. So at the end of the day, in a saturated market, you've got to have something that attracts people. So 
focus in on what you want your band to be and build that and become that. But once you've kind of figured out what you want to do, you need to build your your band's ability to bring people to wherever you're 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 going to. So if you're playing in an 80 seat venue and you're playing with three other bands, the f- kind of a fair assumption would be if each band brings 20 people, you can play to a sold out room. And uh, Brian, this is. I'll pin your comment. That's not what I wanted to do. Uh, this is a live broadcast of IMP. Yes. Um, so I was saying for, for draw, uh, when you have that person who is able to, you know, sell a lot of tickets, that's an asset, but that's not the only thing you can rely on for your band. Because if your friend brings, and if your your guitarist who is popular in high school and work can bring like 80 people to the show, that's really good. But if your band sucks and you guys don't have a lot of integrity and you just your performance is lousy, 80 people are going to go home and tell all their friends that your band sucks. And then they're not going to come back and see you. And then word of mouth spreads. At the end of the day, promotion is word of mouth, regardless of you using social media or posters or text messaging or whatever the case is, word of mouth is the key to promotion. And you've got to be aware of that. So like I said, if you can bring 80 people to a show, but then your band just drops the ball, you're going to have negative word of mouth for your band. So having a friend who can bring 80 people, that's really cool. And that's a good thing to have because a lot of bands don't have that. A lot of bands can be really, really good, but they can struggle to bring 30 people out because maybe they're more introverted and they don't have a lot of friends or maybe they're new to the city. There's a lot of a lot of factors that you can have there. <coughs> Excuse me. But building a successful show by practicing in advance, having a lot of practices, running through your set, picking parts where you're going to make your song shorter or longer uh having parts where you can have crowd engagement that kind of thing these are the things that are going to make your show stand out from the other bands in a saturated scene and when you can accomplish this and entertain the people that you've brought out the word of mouth becomes positive and the draw for your band goes up the the demand for your band goes up and once the word of mouth gets out and you have a resume so to speak of playing at venues around your city where you have a consistent draw that is what gives you leverage to get you better shows so uh the first year the path less traveled is around i emailed the gateway and marquee and flame central and every everywhere and i just wanted us to play all the big shows get big that kind of thing, like everyone's dream. And I was, you know, 20 at the time and I didn't know anything about the industry. I didn't know how emailing venues worked. I didn't know the difference between a promoter and a talent buyer, all that stuff. So I would email bands or pardon me, I would email venues and not get a response. And I would be really curious as to what I was doing wrong. Um, and it's taken me a long time to build uh, the way I email, which increases your chances of getting a response, but at the same time, um, it's not the be all end all. And you can send 30 emails in regards to getting a show and maybe get one to two responses. And that's common. And 
part of it is just getting used to either not getting a response or getting rejected and having it not bother you. Uh, I really value what people think of me. I really value people's words and if people say positive things about me, it, it sticks with me. And if they see something negative, I really carry it for a long time. So when I was getting you know responses back, um, saying, yeah, I, you know, you're not what we're looking for, whatever the case is, I took it really personally. And then I really had to self-assess and realize, okay, like, I got to see what I'm doing wrong and improve because I really want to get these shows. I'm not going to let this, this uh, rejection stop me basically. So I analyzed how I was writing emails. I noticed I was writing them too long. I tend to be a little wordy uh, when I write emails sometimes. So I had to work on condensing things. The format's really good. Your greeting is really important and your content, you want to get to the point and also pack a punch with what you're saying. And like I said, this gets easier over time because you build relationships and at the core of promotion and attendance and that kind of thing is relationships. So I have a good relationship with the uh, staff at the marquee now because we've played there I think five times with different bands and we have consistently sold tickets. We've consistently drawn a crowd and consistently worked hard on being professional. So now we have a good relationship with them. And if a rock band comes through that needs a local opener, our chances of being the opener are higher than if we had never played there before because we built that relationship. So that's something that you also want to look at is building relationships with uh, venue owners and talent buyers um, putting a name to a face. If, if I just send emails all day from my computer, I'm probably not going to get many shows. But if I'm attending local shows, if I'm shaking hands with the talent buyer or the promoter at a venue, my chances of them at least considering my band for a show go up considerably because it's a name to a face. You create that bond and that friendship. And I would say just to be careful, don't just go and make these friendships for the sake <coughs> of getting something from this person and not really treating them as a human being because people can detect that and all you're going to do is frustrate people and you're they're not going to do anything for you because you want to build a relationship where you guys can work together uh, to to create something you know that's unique and exciting for people who want you to keep coming back and it's 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 easier said than done excuse me but you want to make sure that what you're creating is special and that your relationship with a venue grows and is beneficial and everyone has negative times with venues and promoters and that kind of thing. There's been times where we've said we were going to bring a lot of people, a lot of people cancel, our draw is lower than expected, and that kind of affects your relationship with a promoter for a little bit. So it's really important if your band can draw 20 people to say, hey, we draw 20 people. Don't say, hey, we draw 60, and then have them expect you to draw 60, and then bring out 20 because promoters are all friends they all talk and like i said about word of mouth that all spreads so it's going to go um to the other promoters and they're going to say yeah this band is not consistent with what they're saying or they promised this and they didn't deliver this so the key thing in business in general is kind of under promise and over deliver 
So if you say my band can draw 50 to 60 and you guys can really draw 80, that gives you a bit of a, you know, a bit of breathing room in the event. A lot of people don't come out to your show and it also makes you look more impressive when you draw a higher amount because people will, will see what you've done and be, be more interested in, in that, if that makes sense. So <clears throat> over time, building and refining your email skills is really important because that was what uh, got us through the door at Marquee initially. Our first show ever there was opening for POD, which was a huge band that I loved growing up. And uh, it was really exciting to uh, have that opportunity. Uh, I sent an email out to the venue asking who was promoting it. They said, we're promoting internally. I asked if they had any need for local support. They didn't respond. I was frustrated, but I really wanted this opportunity. So I looked into it a bit more. I contacted someone else from the venue and then just really said, hey, we really want this. We're going to work hard for this. We want to create a successful event for everybody. If we don't just want to open for this band and that's it. We want to help you know, your venue succeed. We want to have your, your sales go up for the evening. We want to have your attendance as high as possible. And we want to play an energetic show that entertains your crowd and makes your patrons want to come back as well. And then when you have that attitude and approach a venue like that, they want to help you out. So they're, they will be more than happy to, you know, give you a guest list or give you uh, drink tickets or whatever the case is. You can build, a relationship that edifies everybody. And when you do that, it goes a long way, a super, super long way. Um, another thing is not every show is going to be opening for your favorite band that you uh, grew up listening to. There's going to be opportunities that come uh, with that, but you've got to remember that, you know, your favorite band doesn't come through town every week that it might be coming through with a touring package that's already, you know, already full. Uh, we've reached out to a few shows this year and uh, a lot of them are already, you know, full touring packages. So we're not able to play. And that doesn't mean that you should give up on the local level and just kind of only try and poach for shows that make you big because at the end of the day, being big isn't really the end goal. I think everyone would love that, but playing, music in front of a decent amount of people not an empty not an empty venue i think is most is the dream of most musicians and um working towards that would mean you've got to play local shows because local shows are where you're going to get most of the support um the amount of people that i've met through music in the past 5 years has been it's a, it's a crazy crazy number and i've got some amazing relationships because of music that I'm so thankful and happy for. Or, yeah. And uh, that the relationship and, and the reason we do this, it's easy to forget why you do it and get bummed when, you know, there's a, a lack of a turnout or a show gets canceled and that kind of thing. But it really, it's really important to self-assess and look at why you're doing something because it's really easy to lose sight of why you're doing it and how much joy music can actually bring you. It's possible to fall out of love with your passion. And if you get to that place, you can, you know, cause some more damage than good almost in terms of, uh, what you're doing to edify yourself and, you know, improve your mental health and, and just, 
following your passion, that kind of thing. If, if you learn to hate it, it can be very damaging. And it's really important to assess and see why you do something so that you're, you're always giving it your best. You're always being honest with what you're doing. And when you do that, I think that that just goes a long way and you can really tell the genuine interest from, you know, the bands that are just doing it to be rock stars because the bands that do it just to be rock stars usually don't last. Uh, we we've shared the stage with a bunch of bands who just want to be rock stars. And I think probably when we first started, we were a band that just wanted to be rock stars and we upset people. And I think that's part of it too, is there's a coming of age and a, uh, you know, realizing things as you go along, growing s smarter and more aware of, of the situation and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, playing shows is what builds your reputation. It's what builds your notoriety. And it's what builds uh, your city's interest in what you're doing. And being smart about how you do that is a key step to make your band stick out from the competition. Because there are more bands than ever right now, really in a time where there's not a huge, huge market for music anymore. And that kind of creates some, you know, interesting dynamics. So the important thing is to try and be the best that you can be so that you can stand out and continue to build your brand. Um, if you have uh, any questions, or I know a lot of people have been kind of toggling in and out here over the past half hour. Uh, I don't really know who's actively watching right now, but if you have any questions about um, the music scene or music production or anything like that, by all means, just uh, comment and I will respond to it and go over it with you or give you my opinion on it. But um, otherwise, I think I've covered most of what I think a local band should do to try and get better shows um, and just how to improve your, your brand as a whole. Um, another thing that you can do is um, get your friends to bring their friends. It seems kind of obvious, but a lot of people will uh, just kind of sell tickets to their close friends and, and that's it. But your close friends have friends and if you're close friends with them, they might have a similar interest to your friends of live music. And then they can bring new people out who may otherwise be unaware of local music and what's going on there. Um, one thing that my band did that seems to be kind of a trend now a few other shows are doing this and i can't really say that we invented this because we definitely did not invent um this concept but my band started doing something called back to your roots um and the plan there was to uh get local bands who have their own brand and their own sound to cover popular artists um, that they sort of sounded like or that they were inspired by um, in order to get people who would not normally come out to local shows uh, coming out to local shows. Um, so we did the first one where one band covered Green Day, another band covered Rise Against, another band covered Alexis on Fire. We covered Some 41 
Um, and a lot of people came out just to hear the songs that they knew. And then our band snuck in, you know, each band snuck in three originals. And we also made a sampler CD that was available for free. So um, everyone who came in pretty much got this CD of all the bands performing and their original music. And then I got a local radio DJ that I'm good friends with, uh, J.D. Lewis, to kind of treat the CD like it was a radio show. So if you put this disc in your car or your computer or CD player, if you still have that, um, you were able to hear all these local bands that you would never heard of and you would never have gone to see otherwise because you didn't have that bridge connection. Uh, Brian has a question. A little off topic, but I read a status post today thinking about about thinking it was pretentious for someone to wear their own band shirt. What do you think about that on stage or not? Do you judge a person if they do this? Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, I have a view on this, but I think I've been kind of cultured to have a view on this and... Uh, I don't know if it's right, but I carry it. My wife actually makes fun of me for it. Um, but I think if you're going to see a local band, uh, or you're talking about performing, uh, wearing your own merchandise, I would say if you are making a t-shirt or a hat that you yourself would not wear, then why are you making it? <laughs> um, I can see how it comes off as being pretentious to wear your own merchandise because it looks like you're arrogant and full of yourself um, in, in some instances. But in other ways, you're saying, hey, this shirt's available. You can buy it if you like it. I like it enough to wear it. If you believe in the clothing that you're making, I think you should wear it. Most people who have a signature fragrance use their signature fragrance. Most people who have a signature guitar play their signature guitar. It's, it's an extension of who they are. So I think it's okay to wear your own merchandise, but you need to be prepared for some people accusing you of being pretentious and that kind of thing. Um, I don't think I've ever worn Pathless Travel merch while we're playing. However, when I go to a rock show in Calgary uh, or, or when we went to Amnesia Rock Fest, I wore a Pathless Travel shirt there to promote my brand and to have people um, s you know, see my band name in an area where rock music is popular. Um and that way, when they see it online later, they've already heard it or seen it once before. That's kind of the idea there. Um, I don't think it's pretentious, but I myself don't do it. And when I go to see a band I really like, I tend to wear a shirt of a band that uh, uh, is in the same genre, but not the same band. And my wife makes fun of me for this, but I think it, it shows that you're really, you know, in, in that scene or whatever the case is. And there's some, like, I think it's metal sucks. There's like top 10 rules of concerts and it's like, you can't wear the shirt of the band that you're seeing, um, unless it's a tour shirt or whatever. And it's kind of funny. And for whatever reason, that's been my life and that's how I've always done it. But, um, there might be a, a time to turn over a new leaf and let go of old habits just because it's a judgmental rock scene thing. Jeremy uh, says not pretentious at all, in my opinion. And I think that at the end of the day, you've got to do what you want to do. Um, if, if you want to do it, you're going to have some opposition, but you're also going to have some support. And if you don't want to do it, you're going to have some people who think you're stupid for not doing it. And you're going to have some people who support you for not doing it. But 
I think the bottom line is if you have a shirt that you like, that you've created, that you want other people to buy, you need to be interested in it for yourself. I agree that you should produce merchandise that you would wear yourself. That being said, you don't want it to be uniform. That's true. Uh, I know some bands right now, they're taking their um, logo and they're putting it on a patch on the back. So they're creating a unique uh, garment of clothing that still promotes their band. Uh, the Wild does that. Uh, a band called Sleepwave does that. I think Beartooth does something along those lines where they have the graphic on their clothing. Angels and Airways did this in 2011 actually as well. They all had like subtle hints to their record or their logo or whatever the case was, but they weren't actually wearing their, their uh, you know, band t-shirt, so to speak. Um, Thousand of a Crutch is a, a rock band and I think their singer wore the same t-shirt for the whole tour and it was available at the merch table. And I remember hearing people say, oh man, that's the shirt he was wearing. I want to buy that. So it really depends on what it looks like too. There's a lot of factors that go into that. Uh, Brian says, I don't think it is either. It's just curious as the post ignited quite a debate on it. I've worn my own shirt during a show once, if I recall correctly, but you're right. If you're proud of what you created, why wouldn't you wear it or show it off whenever you can? Exactly. And I think, I think that's a good view. I'm pretty sure I've seen a photo of you wearing your, my constant shirt when you're performing. Um, and in, in some senses I saw a photo and I saw your band name and, and a lot of time, you know, where in the industry where you can just right click an image, save it. Photographers are kind of getting screwed over um, and bands are getting screwed over because there's no watermarks. So there's no comments explaining where this photo is from. If you have a banner uh, behind you with your band logo or that your band logo is on the kick drum or your band is on your shirt somewhere, when that photo gets passed around, your band name is getting passed along with it. Um, I know that Path has traveled. We play with a banner whenever we can. Usually when you're an opening band, your stage space is limited, so we don't always do it. But we always have our band name on our kick drum. So that way if someone walks in to songs after we've started and I've said, hey, we're the Path has traveled from Calgary, blah, 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 they'll still see our name. And when they come up after, they can say, hey, what was your band, the Pathless? It was something like that. Uh, it's it's on the tip of their tongues and, and it carries it. And that's another part of brand recognition that I think is really important. Um, I know a lot of bands have scrims these days, but when it becomes the norm, when you don't have it, it almost sets you farther back. So you need to have some sort of logo uh, recognition and having it on merchandise that you're wearing, I think is a good idea. <coughs> uh, my personal opinion, I, I like, bands that get jackets put their band logo on it but make it their own and make it unique and make it something that's not available necessarily exactly at the store but that's just what scott bennett would want or what scott bennett would buy that's not what the the whole market would purchase if that makes sense um yeah again i don't know who's actually watching and who's not because i have a lot of uh this person joined this person joined and then uh, the viewer numbers goes up and down. But if you have any questions or comments or anything about the music industry or anything that you'd like my opinion on, I am more than happy to talk about it. I'll just talk about what Pathos Travel is doing right now. Uh, we've got a new song coming out. Uh, hopefully, 
uh, what day is Tuesday? So it's probably going to be next week at this point. We're just kind of working on the final mix. We shot a video with it as well. Uh, looks really, really good. We're really happy with it. Um, and that's going to be coming out next week. If all goes well, um, things might change as they often do with our band. But uh, new song has Nick singing on it, which is exciting. Uh, his vocals sound really, really good. He's been a good addition to the band. Um, my buddy Brian, who was watching at one point, said it kind of sounds like The Offspring meets Three Days Grace, which is kind of a cool comparison because those are two bands that I don't think you would throw together all that often. But uh, I kind of have the, the grittier vocal, and then Nick has the, the clean kind of punk vocal. And then the, the song has some punk elements, some radio rock elements, some almost Beartooth elements, if you like Beartooth. Brian is still here. Thank you for watching. I realize that this is a Wednesday morning uh, and a lot of people are at work. So if you are watching and you're uh, not getting caught by your boss, I'm impressed and you have my uh, deepest respect. Um, so yeah, that new song and video is going to be coming out soon. Uh, we're playing a Stampede Breakfast on July 12th at Hotel Arts. It's uh, Amber Approved is what it's called. And it's uh, gluten and dairy-free, uh, kind of an alternative pancake breakfast to all the other places. It's really fun. I think this is going to be our third year playing it. And uh, Amber's been amazing to us, keeps having us back, so we're happy to play. Uh, and then the YYC Music Awards uh, are having a fundraiser July 28th at the Blind Beggar. Um, so we're playing with, I'm actually not sure if the lineup's finalized yet, so I'm not going to say who, but it's a decent local lineup. We're pretty, pretty honored and stoked to be a part of it. And, uh, all the proceeds are going to the YYC music awards, which is something that just started last year. And it's a promotion of our, uh, our city and it's got, uh, rock, you know, rock songs of the year, rap songs of the year, country, folk, recording, uh, industry person of the year. There's a lot of really, really cool awards um, celebrating what our city creates. And uh, we were very excited to jump on uh, for the opportunity to help promote that because uh, local music is something that our band really believes in and wants to promote as much as possible. So we're very, very stoked for that. It's July 28th at The Beggar. Um, I think we play second last or last, um, more to come on that, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, but back to music, if anyone else has any questions about booking shows or guarantees or emailing, uh, venues, uh, how to talk to other bands, load in the importance of being on time, all that stuff. Uh, I will hang out here for a few minutes and just see if any questions pop up. And if they don't, then I will probably call it and go to bed because I'm working night shift and I've been up since uh, 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. What is up, Sasha? Sasha plays in a band called Petrify from Calgary. And they are uh, sort of a mathcore, hardcore band. And they're awesome. Uh, why am I afraid of everything? Um, fear is something that cripples a lot of people. And if everything scares you, um, 
I believe that the answer is inside of yourself and that you need to look within for the courage to overcome day-to-day things like um, not sure what you're afraid of. And I'm pretty sure you're trolling me. So I'm trying to give you a troll answer, but I'm really not good at being a troll. So I kind of dropped the ball there. Uh, I'll call you Keon now just to change the first name that I'm using. I'm not going to front I'm slacking up a work with now. It's a great opportunity to talk about inner genre relations and how it's strengthened both of us as people. I might have to dip because of palettes to do. Well, I, I appreciate that. That is, that is something that's really, that's a good thing to talk about. Um, a lot of bands only really talk to members of bands from the same genre as them. So um, you'll have a punk band who won't chill with a metal band or won't talk to them or a folk band or a rap group or whatever the case is. So you kind of, everyone develops this elitist mentality of um, we only play with rock groups or I'm only going to talk to people in rock groups. And I think, think this is common in all social circles i don't think this is specific necessarily to music but um it's really done or created a lot of impact in our own band in the path us traveled and petrify as keon mentioned um by just kind of foregoing those walls and just making relationships so uh the path us traveled and petrify are two bands that probably wouldn't be on the same conventional bill like we could be because we're both slightly heavier rock bands but after that we take a huge split this way in terms of what we sound like um (laughs) but i put a show called back to your roots together i talked about earlier and i had them come on (coughs) and we created this inter-genre show that had bands that wouldn't normally play together play together and now we have a really, really good relationship and it gives you a new perspective on the genre that you're creating because you have someone uh, who doesn't necessarily listen to your kind of music all that much offering their input and advice. And you can also share a lot of uh, information. I think a lot of people feel like they're always competing um, and that's true in a sense. There is competition, but healthy competition is is okay to have. And it's okay to share information with other people. You don't need to covet everything. You don't need to hide everything. Sharing your information about show promotion or what's getting people out with other bands is just going to make them implement the same thing and boost your scene. So this hardcore band that Petrify is, um, great band. If you like bands like Norma Jean or uh, thrashy punk with a lot of harsh vocals, uh, or mathcore stuff, they're they're definitely up your alley, and you should check them out. Um, but I've become really good friends with that whole band, um, and I, I we're currently working on their their record that's supposed to be coming out this summer. Um, we've had a few delays, but we're we're going at it, and I'm really excited to release that and share that music with everybody because it's really really cool. Uh, I filled in and played bass for them once um, while we were writing a song, an earlier version of a song had a lot of screaming in it. Keon came into the studio and did vocals and you just kind of build this relationship where you're happy to do things for each other. And um, I wouldn't limit this just to rock music, like over the course of, um, I wouldn't call it a career, but uh, music 
just whatever I'm doing with music in the city. I don't really know what it's considered, but I've met rappers who I, you know, stay in contact with. I, I talk to often. Um, I've met, you know, folk artists. I've met amazing, amazing bands that maybe um, two people wouldn't be the same fan of, but you, you really get uh, a deeper relationship, deeper appreciation for the music scene. And then you can put on varying bills that offer um, you know, a variety of music. And I think that's really cool. Um, like we played with a band called crack the lens. They're like a Celtic rock punk band, a uh, little bit of dropkick Murphy's a little bit of, uh, Mumford and sons, that kind of thing. And, uh, we love playing with those guys. They had, they have an amazing sound and amazing and unique approach to music. And, uh, it, makes your ears more open to hearing new things. Uh, another band that we really love is open air. They kind of have a seventies Zeppelin Jack white kind of vibe and they don't sound anything like us, but we've played with them a few times and we're going to be playing with them again in the fall. And we love every time an opportunity we get to play with them. Another local band that we love, uh, they're called black Phoenix orchestra dead pretty. I think they're working on a new project with a new name. I don't know what they're called now, but, uh, Darren and Kenton from that band uh, were very, very kind to us when Pathos Traveled first started. And um, it just opens up a new door and a whole bunch of new connections. You can post a Facebook status saying, hey, we need uh, this kind of band. And a folk artist can be like, oh, hey, you know, these guys are really good at heavy metal or whatever the case is. And it's just, it builds your network. And realizing that all musicians really have the same goal and want to build, uh, you know, the same thing. It really, when you realize that, it's really, what's the word, liberating, I guess. It, it frees you up. It allows you to do so much more than you ever could have done on your own. And I think, you know, that's that's really important. So if you're in a band and you're like, we're only going to play with, you know, uh, XYZ bands, or I'm only going to talk to the band if their singer does, you know, harsh vocals or whatever the case is, you're, you're missing out on a lot of potential relationships that can help edify you edify your band and just improve your quality of life as a whole a lot of the people i've met in music uh have become really close friends of mine where i'll talk to them about things that aren't related to music and it it really benefits my life and i'm very thankful for everything that uh, every person that i've met over the past five years playing in this band and uh, the people that i'm going to meet in the future so that would be my opinion on uh, intergenre relations. Uh, Jeremy says Petrify is well worth the listen. Great stuff. I do me great. Probably a typo, but probably meaning they're amazing, which they are. Uh, really, really good. Um, if anyone else has any questions, by all means, if anyone has any guests or has any interest in being a guest on this at some point, um, shoot me a message because I'd love to build this up again. I kind of fell off the horse, but the only way to fix things is just to get back and keep doing it um, and just keep putting out content. So. I think I'm going to go to bed. Thank you very, very much for tuning in and uh, listening. Thanks for tuning in live. If you, if you caught this live, this is going to be uh, uploaded to SoundCloud shortly. So if you miss this and want to listen back, 
it's going to be available. Uh, I'll leave this live video up on uh, the page as well if you, in case you want to watch this. I'm not sure how the audio is going to sound here, but I'll give it a shot. But anyways, this is the Intermusic Podcast. I'm Scott Bennett. We'll see you next time. Thank you.